All right, Jack, we're going to do a special episode today. We are we're not together. You are in Denver. Um, I guess for, for folks listening here, I'm actually in Aurora, which is like if you had a really good arm, like a stone's throw outside of Denver. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. And I'm at the convention for the National Association of Counties, where uh, all the counties get together to talk about how to make lives better for their constituents. And, you know, for the listeners who are perhaps in a place where counties don't play as important a role, it's really a huge deal across great big parts of the United States, um, where the counties provide essential services from law enforcement to tax guidance to whatever else. And so it's a it's a really big deal. And uh, today I'm actually speaking at the CIO forum talking about cybersecurity, of course, but more talking about the way that cybersecurity is affected by the maturity of the organizations that are trying to implement it. And uh, I thought maybe that'd be a good topic for us since, you know, we've seen so many different organizations, public and private sector, who are at so many different levels of maturity. It is a good topic. And I guess for, for folks listening, there's um, domestically and internationally, so counties in cities provide different functions. But to like further complicate it is depending on what part of the country you're in uh, will determine what services a county or a, a city might provide. Meaning like, example being counties on the East Coast provide fewer services than counties on the West Coast. You would expect a county on the west coast to operate more like a city does or a town does on on the east coast so it's uh kind of a an interesting dynamic so it's um seems fitting that you're in colorado for for this where counties are a little bit more uh kind of feature rich if you will yeah right on and and some of the geographies that these counties cover are just huge yeah right just thousands and thousands and thousands of miles and there's a lot of responsibilities they carry to make it happen and so the cyber element of it is both about the traditional concerns about you know how do the services get it offered, but also you know data and IT are important parts of the way that those services get orchestrated and delivered over the course of time. It's interesting. I don't know the exact ranking, but Denver County, um, which I'm not sure if, if Aurora is in, is one of the largest counties in the country. But I think we're Adams County. Oh, Adams. I used to live in Adams County. Yeah, they have a five-star school district. <laughs> It's quite lovely. It's it's not as good as it was when I was living there, but when when I was there it was pretty excellent. <laughs> well, Vermont is grateful for the move. <laughs> right. well, listen, I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about maturity since that's the topic of the conversation I'll be having yeah. later on today. Because in looking at it, right, from a federal perspective, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are following that as well, you've got the cybersecurity maturity matrix, right, uh, the model that was put together by the feds to try to create a language through which organizations could prove themselves to understand security pretty well. But it's not the first, right? There have been cybersecurity maturity models for just about ever. And in my conversations here with a couple of the folks I've bumped into, it's really, really instructive to hear the way they think about maturity because it tends to maybe have a little bit of output flavor of those matrices, um, but it's much more about sort of the worldview, right? The evolution of their understanding of security that makes them believe that organizations are more mature. And, and, and by that, I mean, you know, uh, one of the folks was talking about the fact that there was a single technology vendor who was describing how important that technology was. And he said, you know, organizations with less maturity won't understand that that's only a component. 
right, of, of a broader set of problems. And another person I was talking to was saying how the, the technologies, while important, don't really help them deliver better constituent services, right? Because the maturity tells you, how do I relate those technologies to these services I want to offer? So I think it's an interesting place for us to have a little bit of a discussion. It's kind of an interesting demarcation, if I if I understood you correctly, because up until this point, we've existed in a world where maturity describes technical capabilities, right? But it's it almost sounds like now what we're starting to realize is... Um, with maturity comes a level of enlightenment and awareness you know, in the course of building your cyber muscle. Yeah, and your cyber career, right? I mean, you've said it many times, and I'll leave it to you to say it better than I would, but that maturation of the individual or of the team from being the technology operations arm to being the strategic advisor, I think is an important one. Yeah, there's there's definitely like a evolution and, and enlightenment. I've personally kind of always been of the position like the most effective security leaders are business people first, but they just have an expertise in cyber, right? Like they're solving challenging and thorny business issues. And, you know, cyber is their expertise, just like you'd say, like the CFO is a business person, but their expertise is finance and accounting. Same with HR. I think that's part of the discussion that we're having here with the NACO team, right? Which is these organizations and they really range in size dude we've talked to folks who have three people on the security team for a relatively decent sized county to people who have 200 people doing cyber for a relatively decent sized county right you know one of the offshoot discussions we've had is that that size difference doesn't necessarily tell you which one of them is more mature because if a three-person team is banging it up right because they made some good decisions some outsourced providers they've really figured out to leverage what they got and maybe the 200 people are being spread like peanut butter all over the county to try to solve the cybersecurity problem in an unintegrated way. It makes them less mature. So, you know, I think that one of the things that's really an eye-opener for the folks I've been talking to is how other counties are being successful with limited security resources, but by taking that broader view you described. Yeah, I see it akin to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. <laughs> You're familiar with that one? So Maslow has five tiers, right? So the base is physiological, which is like, is just that shelter. There's safety, right? I think that's the second one above it. The third one is sense of belonging. The fourth one on top of that is self-esteem. And then the one at the top, which is self-actualization. And I believe that you can chart the cybersecurity journey like across those five tiers. So, you know, I would think like the basis of uh, the physiological pieces would basically in cyber terms is like we have a team, right? Like they may not do anything, but we have a cyber engineer on staff or cyber analyst, someone thinking about cyber. And then second layer, so safety, that would be akin to like, okay, now we have the fundamental defenses in place within the, the organization. And it doesn't mean they're totally like tuned and operational. They're, they are in place. The third one, which is really interesting, is a sense of belonging. And you made the comment earlier, like you said the word integrated, which made me think of all this, is saying, is the security team integrated? And at that third level of belonging, which I would say that's where the integration exists. And at that point, your security function is embedded into the city or the county or within the organization or institution. The fourth level, which is esteem, which I'd say would be akin to like, you're actually helping the business at this point. Like you're providing value. There's a sense of accomplishment. There's a sense of self-esteem. 
within the team, like they're truly adding value as a, as a team member. And then the last one is self-actualization, right? We're saying if you've done all of those pieces, you've arrived at the point where you're a business leader and you're looking at the business and the challenges within the business or the institution in a more strategic lens. Like your team's in place, your defenses are in place, your team is embedded, you're helping the business. And now it's time to like flip it over and say, okay, how can we look around corners in a very strategic way to make sure that we're putting our county or institution on their front foot going forward. And if you can achieve like that level, it's reasonable to think you're a respected business leader within your institution and you're helping to shape business plans and business directions for the organization that is so lucky to have you working there. I think that's great. I really do. Because if I run it from the top down, just for a little variety, right? That self-actualized security leader in a county or, or anywhere, finds other people naturally involving them because they recognize that security is an important part of what they do. So it's, it's as much the security function has been actualized as the individual who performs it has seen herself actualized, right? So I think that that's pretty awesome. One of the things that hit me was that sense of belonging. And, you know, most diagrams will see the Maslow hierarchy is this typical pyramid, right? It's going from fat at the bottom to narrow at the top. But I think that sense of belonging is probably the longest pole in the Maslow tent, right? That it, it is really yeoman's work from department to department, from commissioner to commissioner, getting people to feel that sense of involvement in security and that sense of valuing security. You know, I think that that probably is one of the most important and probably one of the most time-consuming steps for the organization is to get that security function to feel as though it belongs everywhere, right? Because we'll see pretty quickly that maybe the cloud deployment team who's doing some integrated digital transformation, they're like, yeah, security rocks, thank you, right? But maybe the folks who are running the legacy Excel spreadsheet-based budget team is sort of like, dude, come on, it's on my computer, what do I have to worry about? Right. And, and so you can see this varying level of engagement that makes that level three, you know, perhaps a longer step or a taller step for the security leaders to take to get over. But I love the Maslow thing. Right. I love the fact you go from survival to safety. Right. And for me, safety, one of the big things about safety is and in Maslow, it's like this as well, is that I don't have to be thinking about it 24 seven. Right. That I've done all the work that at least some amount of the threats I worry about are now gonna be compensated for by the structure or if it's food safety, the farm, or maybe the animals I've raised or whatever, the storage I have, the silos I have full of grain, I now feel like I have safety. So survival was getting all that stuff together. Safety is organizing the way it runs. And then I start running around and trying to get people to understand that this should be something that belongs in their environment. And then when that happens, then I have the esteem so that people come to, to, mm -hmm. to me or to the security function to ask us what they should do prior to being fully actualized where it's a more natural part of what they do, more organic part of what they do. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Jack, hey, when you go up on stage a little bit later, you just, you just want to uh, plug me into your, your microphone and we can, we, we can riff live on this. Well, the beautiful part about <laughs> this is I'm going to steal all the smart things you already said. I'm going to give you zero credit. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, that's great. I'll take it. There's uh, karma to be had someplace, I'm sure. I'm curious. It's, uh, it's going to be a different way to think about it, right? Like, forget about the X's and O's for a second, right? And then, you know, just think about 
your career and like what actually helps the business. It's a very different conversation. Actually, I don't, I don't think I've ever heard anybody in my career talk about it that way. Well, I'll tell you, there's a whole gang who's going to be hearing about Maslow and the maturity of cybersecurity in about three hours. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, sweet. <laughs> Rock and roll. All right, Jack, welcome back. Thank you. You just came off stage. How'd everything go? Really, really well. Um, for the audience that isn't familiar, um, in the first half of the episode, we said where I'm at. I'm at the National Association of Counties, uh, and we're in Aurora, Colorado. And I was speaking on a panel about the evolution of security strategy and sort of the reflection, the maturity of the organization has on it. And so it was a really interesting conversation. Uh, the two folks I did it with were really up to speed. Uh, they were both uh, from the public sector. They were both former county officers and uh, they did a great job of sort of making problems come home for some of the folks in the audience who were, who were concerned about it. It's always super nice when your co-panelists are actually up to speed. Yes. <laughs> seems like such a simple ask, but at the same time in our field seems very tall. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Jack, it was interesting. I actually had the play-by-play. -play. <laughs> no. While you were up there, a long list of people were contacting me on LinkedIn, which is my most favorite media <laughs> platform. Um, and now that they've done that, I'll make the determination as to like, since they made me suffer LinkedIn, if, if I ever uh, engage with them elsewhere. <laughs> yikes. Yikes. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not sure who reached out to you. Uh, probably wasn't the two guys in the panel with me, but just to give them a shout out. Um, one of them was Mark Faffinger. Um, and he is actually from Colorado. He's, he's from a different county, but nearby in Colorado. And the fellow who's actually moderating is a fellow by the name of Mike Sage from Pennsylvania. And I think the thing that worked out for the audience, the reason it worked out so well, is they were both like super smart and open-minded. And it wasn't just, you know, people said, you know, reciting compliance documents or policy statements or the NIST CSF. So it was a lot of fun. You know, we'd had this conversation ahead of time. And I want you to know, I, I brought up and gave you credit for your excellent uh, application of Maslow's hierarchy of need in the cybersecurity space and get, you know, minor golf claps uh, from the folks in the panel. So, you know, kudos to you. A little plus one. Oh, I love it. I love it. Hopefully my, my mom is listening and we can, uh, I, I can let her know and be like, mom, I made it. I got my name mentioned on stage. But it was funny, you know, talking to him about it. And, and one of the things it led to was this discussion around the size of the organizations and the effect of an organization's sort of scale on maturity. And you know, the three of us came to the same conclusion, which is that maturity is orthogonal. Uh, to the scale of the organization, because you know, Mike was mentioning you know, he knows small organizations which have found a way to make it work. Right? They found out the right partners. They know what to outsource. Um, Mark was giving examples of types of skills that he knew he wasn't going to develop, and his team wasn't going to develop, so he outsourced those. And so they didn't have to be massively huge. And you know, I made mentions of some of some of the things I've seen, which is in massive organizations with hundreds of people in security, they spread it like peanut butter. Right. And, you know, it's like saying, well, the people I know who are best spenders of money and most effective spenders of money are the really, really rich. No, they tend to be the less less cautious. 
right? They tend to oftentimes be more wasteful because they don't really care as much, right? And so we didn't come to a point where we agreed that there's an inverse relationship between scale and maturity, but we all agreed that there wasn't a direct relationship between the two, which I thought was pretty interesting. In my experience, I think that's accurate. I'd want to like, I want to noodle line to a little bit more to find the right words, but there's, um, I think the best characterization seemingly to me is that as scale grows and investment in cyber technologies, people, whatever the case may be, ensuring an appropriate level of return on investment comparatively to, let's say, like a smaller organization changes, like the metrics around it changes. And it requires a little bit more attention and focus to get the same return on investment within a large organization as you would with smaller organization. And I think it's just a sheer matter of bigger organizations, more hands involved. It's a little bit harder to control the outcome. Sometimes there's bureaucracy involved in larger organizations that prevent organizations from doing the right thing or maximizing their investment. And That totally makes sense to me. In hearing the folks talk about it, there was another piece that came out that was somewhat related to the types of organizations, the types of messaging, but it frankly was driving me a little nuts, right? Which was a lot of the conversation was around using sort of the bad things that happen as the driver for security spent. You know, we've talked about it here in the show a number of times. I think we've, you know, folks like you and I have been fighting this for years, but, you know, one of the messages was if you're going to be marketing and you have to market, which I thought was a good message, was helping these technical leaders to understand they have to really market what's going on and promote what's going on in cybersecurity, which is great. But people were saying like, and, you know, the Hallmark card should be ransomware sucks. Look at these organizations get hammered by it. You know, and what ended up following from that was a relatively narrow discussion of what it meant to be great at cybersecurity in the county. And it was really limited to things that protected against sort of that one vector. Right. Whether the, they were you know, using it for ransomware or whether it was a user making a mistake and then doing a BEC, you know, but it was all very, very limited and it was all super not fun. All the marketing, quote unquote, efforts that they're putting forth were on reporting things that people should be afraid of so that they would do things differently. And, you know, as we've talked about in the show and as you and I work on every day, you know, part of making this easier for people to talk about is changing that conversation. Right. And I had a discussion with a couple of these folks afterwards, you know, treat marketing like marketing. You don't say go to this restaurant so you don't have to cook. You say go to this restaurant because the food kicks ass. Right. You don't say uh, go exercise uh, because you don't want to be sitting home watching television. You say go exercise because you feel better. Right. You focus on the goodnesses. And that's a big part of the security pitch, I think, if you're going to be successful. So that was one of the other sides of this. Right. That I think there's a lot of work to be done, particularly among the county infrastructure, to help them understand the real positive messages that can happen. Yeah. How long did you guys chat about that one? Uh, well, we were up there for about 45 minutes or so. It went pretty quick. It went pretty quick. Yeah, that one's a super interesting one. I, I wish I could have like gone up there and like did like a visitor session during your 45 minute thing. But it's it's interesting, right? Like we as a community have conditioned the buyers and the people with budgets to think of cyber that way, right? It's like, like oftentimes there's cases where you see people selling fear, uncertainty and doubt as a justification to self-select the right behavior, right? Things that you should be doing anyway, just a matter of good hygiene and you should just be doing it, you know, because perhaps it gives you some other benefits as an organization, but that's not where we originate. We originate from a place of scaring the shit out of people, right? you know, right. in order to get them to do stuff. And I think there's a whole bunch of reasons that is, but I think a 
big part of it also is there's a population of folks who don't understand the industry well enough to make an informed, positive argument as to the merits of doing security. So therefore, they default to a negative position to get people to have an emotional tag to it and then follow suit. Yeah, that is right on the money. There was a great presentation uh, by uh, Kim Biddings from BioKey, who's talking about MFA. And I think mainly the audience and, in fact, some of the folks who are on stage with her were talking about, you know, MFA, this is the way to protect against ransomware. So that the whole conversation was that. And, you know, to her credit, she tried to get people more informed about why MFA matters in the first place. And afterwards, I said, you know, I said to her, and then when I was on stage with uh, Mark and Mike, I was trying to get the point across that MFA and using tools like Octa, if you want to do federated ID, are so important because they give you an enabling technology to know what's happening. Right. They're as much about seeing good things that are happening, seeing connections that are happening, recognizing more about your organization's behavior. It's much more important even than the fact that they'll protect against that ransomware nonsense or you know, that phishing attack because you have to have MFA and you have to have you know the two different factors. So I think maybe part of it is that this is a group that historically has really fought tooth and nail and has to talk to a less savvy audience like legislators, perhaps, or commissioners who may not have skills in cyber. And so some of these more blunt force objects like ransomware, what have you, are the only things people understand. But I'm hoping that over the course of time, the work we do at New Harbor, the work you know we do with companies will help people understand that you can talk about all the goodnesses that come from doing good security practices, which are unrelated to stopping the bad person knocking down the door. Yeah, I love it. Jack, anything else notable? coming out of your fireside chat. <laughs> you know, I'll just say this one thing. Um, for any of our listeners who are in the public sector, who may be in the counties, this was a really worthwhile piece of time. I know that the individuals who were attending took a lot away from it. There was a lot of documents created by members of the group, not by vendors. And I thought that that was you know, really worthwhile. A lot of examples of how they used a variety of technologies to make cybersecurity better. So if you're not involved in it, uh, any of you in the public sector, I, I would recommend that you do it. It worked out pretty well. Uh, and for me, it was a, a really good group of people. You know, Justin, you and I, we groove when we find the true public servant, right? When we find the selfless individual who could be off in commercial world, you know, taking down another zero, but they want to make the world a little bit safer. And there was a load of those people there. And so it was it was a real pleasure for me. Yeah, that's awesome. Super cool. It sounds like it was a great event. Thanks to National Association of Counties and everybody there for, for hosting us. Sounds like it was an incredible event. Jack, anything in closing? No. <laughs> Excellent. Well, if you are looking for um, speakers, <laughs> uh, people to kind of show up, talk about cybersecurity, you know, on stage. In a positive way. In a, yeah, in a positive way. Promise not to make anybody cry. But, um, but also, if you need true and honest cybersecurity help from a group of professionals that really know what they're doing and have a high level of excellence, you can reach us at pwned at newharborsecurity.com and we'll catch you on the next episode.